do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestsellers, all they're hyped up to be. The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 112 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. This time, we read You're Going to Mars by Rob Dirks. This was published in 2018 by Goldfinch Publishing and was requested by our patron, Lucek. He requested we read this saying, it's not the worst book, it's just the wrong kind of fiction for me, I guess, but I think it'll be fun listening to you discuss certain parts. It was his birthday on May 20th, so happy birthday, Luchek. Hooray! Woo! We hope you enjoy this extra special birthday edition of your Patron's Choice episode. All right, Chris, do we want to do a happy birthday song? Yes. Here we go. Are you ready? Uh, I'll try. Yeah. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, dear Luchek. I don't know what key I'm in. Here's a terrible book club for, for you. you. <laughs> Tried to go for a harmony and I fucked it all up. Sorry. No, I'm not, I'm not even in key at all. So, uh, If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of those three. Sometimes, like today... We read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend, so we do the opposite of what most people do in a bookstore or when they're browsing Amazon. Usually, this experiment results in a disappointing read, but once in a while, we end up liking the book. Uh, content warnings for today are our usual barnyard language, of course, and we've got some stabbings and death and near-death experiences and general space malarkey. So if yeah, you, I think I if, if you're afraid of being like sucked into space or being on a spacecraft, this episode might not be for you. Sure, yeah. Other than that, mostly fine. All right, here's the back of the book summary. Man, Chris is just taken off. He's like, fuck you, Paris. You don't I'm efficient, Paris. Show. I get work done. <laughs> Oh, no, it's great. Mumbling around and, you know, hemming and hawing here. All right. Back of the book summary. Living and slaving in Phil City One, you get used to the smell. We call it the ever-present stink. But every once in a while, on a spring day with a breeze, it clears away enough to remind us that there is something more out there. Most fillers' wildest dreams would be just to get past the walls and live in the mainland. But my dream? It's a little bigger. I'm going to Mars. Well, I'm only going to Mars if I can find a winning red scarab to get on Zach Larson's crazy reality show, and then I'll have to figure out how to escape this hellhole, and then compete on live television for three months, and somehow win a spot on the crew of the very first manned mission to Mars. Oh, and one more slight obstacle? There might be a reason that by 2085 a human still hasn't set foot on the red planet. A dangerous reason. 
a reason worth killing for. In You're Going to Mars, Rob Dirk's audible best-selling author of Where the Hell is Tesla? creates a near future filled with family, the good kind and the insufferable kind, pop divas, mobsters, and the world's first trillionaire, and sends them all on a science fiction odyssey slash comedy slash love story slash adventure that will change their world forever. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right. So uh, these are these are our characters and setting. And then I will embark on my own journey to the, the vast space that is the fucking summary for this book. It's a long <laughs> one. It's another so. long one, y'all. All right, uh, characters and setting. We have three sisters named Rock, Paper, and Scissors. Haha, right. funny joke. It's jokes. This is a joke book. It's a book that's funny. It's got jokes. I actually wouldn't say it's a book that's funny or has many jokes, but, you know. It's we're... trying to be funny. It's very definitely it trying to be trying funny. trying to be funny. <laughs> um, I actually like the Rock, Paper, and Scissors um, nicknames for the yeah, three twin that, sisters. I, I mean, think it's cute. This whole book is basically that kind of a joke where, like, you might internally breathe out your nose where you're not actually doing it, but, like, your brain knows is doing it. <laughs> you're, you know, it's it's the internal version of, <laughs> like, it's yes. not even that. It's like yes. a quarter of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Just imagine in your brain going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Rock, Paper, and Scissors are three twin sisters. They are all fillers. Their grandmother, Nana, their dad, um... I don't think they get names. Uh, other filler people, uh, the Gatano crime waste management family, Zach Larson, the trillionaire, uh, the, the other contestants on the You're Going to Mars show. <laughs> I started like, listing them here and just and gave just, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot. There's Claire, Aurora, Benji, one named Tanner, which is funny to me because that's yeah. my boyfriend's name. Uh -huh. uh, then we have, let's see, pa uh, Paper, Rock, Paper, and Scissors mom, Jane, and Voom Voom, her half-brother, who is a small child who just says Voom Voom all the time. He says other things too. but Mostly he, Voom Voom. Yes. Uh, various, yeah, federal agents, and then the rest of the Mars mission crew on the High Heaven, which is the spaceship that they uh, go to space and then Mars in. Uh, Captain Dan Daniels is the only one, though, who really matters there. Uh, rock, paper, and scissors do actually have, like, you know, legal names. Uh, I forget what the other two sisters are, but Rock, uh, or sorry, Paper, who is our main character, her real name is Robin. So Paper and Robin are the same person. Please keep this keep this in mind <sighs> all right all right listeners all we're right, going to the summary <laughs> we're blasting off to the <laughs> summary <laughs> uh all right Ahem. in a future version of the usa paper ferris lives in phil city one a garbage dump slash city owned by the gatano family the Gatanos own Wasteway, a waste disposal and fuel production corporation that owns many such cities across the country, in which, uh, actually across the world, in which its denizens are owned by the Wasteway Corporation and never allowed to leave on penalty of death. These people are known as fillers, and they live there for up to eight generations. Paper is a third generation filler. She is adept at engineering and math and has dreams about exploring space, specifically about going to Mars. But... Luck would have it, the first manned mission to Mars is being planned by Zach Larson and Elon Musk alike and first trillionaire ever. He's giving one spot on the crew to whoever wins his reality TV game show, the titular, You're Going to Mars! The spots are awarded to people who find lucky red scarab tokens. Paper's Nana has a token for her, which is technically impossible because of their filler 
status since they would never be allowed to legally leave the city. However, Paper's fellow fillers band together to disguise her and sneak her out with a few treasured possessions. Once outside Phil City One, Paper meets up with her estranged mother, Jane, who was part of the whole escape plan. Uh, Jane's kind of an all-around jerk with another child that she jokes about also abandoning. That's boom boom. Jane is also an adept engineer and is convinced that the Wasteway Corporation is hiding something nefarious related to an undiscovered element based on some hunches and digging that Jane had done when she worked for Wasteway years ago. Jane uh, is assisting Paper in getting all the way to, what is it, LA, yeah. California, mm -hmm. uh, to actually get on the show that she now has a ticket for in the hopes that she would win, go to Mars, and uncover the element on Mars that is the center of the conspiracy. After they have a run-in with a corrupt tollbooth officer who tries to steal the scarab from Paper, they reach the site, you know, they get on the game show, or Paper gets on the game show just in, the, just in time. Um, she ends up meeting the rest of the contestants, including Aurora, who's a pop singer who is assumed to have simply bought a token because she's so fabulously wealthy. Same same as like several of the other contestants. I think there's what, 23 or 26 22, in all? 22, I think is the mm. final number. It Anyhow, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyhow, Aurora shows up is later than paper. She's drunk and they kind of like have a back and forth throughout the whole book. Um, contestants get a brief orientation. They're introduced to each other. Uh, then they get split up into teams. They're all colored teams. It's like yellow, green, blue, red, uh -huh. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and the show is divided up into four segments, each of which will last a few weeks. So there's, and you know, and, and after every week, one of the teams gets eliminated until there's only one team left. Um, and this is sort of a Big Brother-like or Survivor show where, quote unquote, every moment is broadcast to viewers worldwide. Um, and the audience is able to like contestants to give them points. And the contestants also win points uh, on the show from the show creators by doing things. So it's this like big, dumb social media reality TV experiment. Uh, the first few weeks are like intense physical training. A few contestants wash out. Um, Paper saves her team by creatively breaking the rules of the big physical challenge that they had to do. Um, and then the next section is them trying to live in a simulated Mars atmosphere where there's like a bunch of hijinks and things go wrong and then someone actually tries to sabotage the fake Mars habitat and kill everyone but of course there's like clever paper and Aurora they fix everything and you know they continue on um, after the second segment of the show Aurora betrays paper and reveals that she is a filler to everyone and they have to turn her over to U.S. government, or I guess to the Gatano, the Gatano government. Sorry, they have to turn her over to the Gatanos because um, she has to be murdered, according to whatever bullshit extradition treaty we have with the filler cities. Um, but Zach Larson, the show creator, hints that he doesn't actually want this to happen to Paper, even though he lets her go. Um, Paper gets picked up by the Gatanos, and she runs into her mom again. Uh, her mom had actually given her like a quote unquote, get out of death free card or whatever. It was like this little chip or something that would supposedly save her if she ever got picked up by them. So they, you know, she ends up getting in prison with her mom anyway. So they try to talk their way out of imprisonment with this like special, you know, get out of death free card or whatever, which uh, turns out is actually the a trigger 
that would set off the dead body database which Jane had created, Paper's mother Jane. When Jane worked for Wasteway, she figured out that the the landfills were full of high-profile dead bodies from murders, and she used their DNA to triangulate exactly where they were in the landfill, which doesn't make sense for another reason, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the pretty obvious reason why that would make sense. Yeah, but- uh, and you know, because so, some of these high-profile murders included like the president, some senators, like other famous people, uh, and then like a bunch of the fillers strike because they, you know, it's revealed on the show that paper is a filler and they don't want her to die, so they all the all the filler cities go on a strike. Um, and that combined with the, the potential of revealing the dead body database is enough to let Paper and Jane live. Um, and mysteriously, there's like a member of the Catano family named Angel who is just into Paper, even though they've never spoken yeah. for more than a few sentences. <laughs> Remember that whole lo- slash love story part? Here it is randomly. Yeah. Uh, Angel helps Paper and her mom and Angel and Paper fall in question mark love question mark <laughs> for reasons yeah um so Paper gets to leave the Italian mob waste management family prison and go to back to the competition uh and then on the third segment they um they're supposed to they're supposed to like or yeah they're supposed to do the third segment but then the Senate, the U.S. Senate, has suddenly decided to outlaw travel to other planets because they're scared that humans would fuck up the planet. Which, like, fair. Yeah. We do fuck up everything we touch as humans. But, sure. Um, but, but it's like, clearly, like, hastily done through yes. some backroom deals for some shady reasoning. Yeah, right. So they they kind of, they literally have a vote, like, in the middle of the night or early or something so that they can get it through. So Zach Larson is like, fuck them. We're going to Mars. So they're, so they take the mission, you know, um, they, they end up going right to the stage where they actually go to space and decide they're going to eliminate the last team while in space and just send them back on lifeboats. Um, and then send the final person to Mars. Um, so then they, they end up getting into space, um, once they're up there, some hijinks happen. Aurora and Paper ending up end up having this exact same number of points. So Zach allows them both to go to Mars. They go in a cryogenic chamber for the trip and they wake at Mars a few months later. Um, Captain Dan Daniels, who was kind of the head of like the their teacher, their like space teachers or whatever. Um, <laughs> he was also their their, I guess, main astronaut, like piloting astronaut. And he tries to sabotage the mission because the Gatanos are holding his family hostage because it turns out Jane was right all along about the conspiracy about, you know, a secret element on Mars. Um, so paper finds the, uh, you know, the new element. And we find out that it is a super fuel that is very light and, uh, very efficient. So, the Gatanos wanted to hide it because the fill cities with all the garbage power the world with fuel and various other forms of energy. So if this Mars element was found, they wouldn't be needed anymore. So ta-da. Um, they end up incapacitating Daniels or Paper and Roar. And then they, <laughs> they actually on the spacecraft fi- figure out, 
how to convert the Mars element into usable fuel, fix the problems with the ship that Daniels had sabotaged, like he killed their AI or something, and they are able to return to Earth <laughs> with everyone else, uh, and Zach Larson died on the way back to his home planet. Whoop! Uh, so the end. The one casualty, Zach Larson, R.I.P. Uh, Paper gets to go back to her family at the end, and everything is cool and good. Uh, also, Zach Larson was formerly a filler. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, important piece. Turns out Zach Larson is also an escaped filler. So many questions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, that's the summary. That's it. You, you did were, it. You made the, the round trip from all the way to the end of the summary and back. It's three <laughs> months later. You're out of your cryogenic coma. Oh. All right. So let's talk about things that were good, things we liked about this book. I almost actually just said, does anyone have any questions? <laughs> I'm teaching a class here. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, questions that uh, I can't hear or answer immediately. I mean, I guess if you have questions, send them in to the show, but I can't answer them here so i don't know why i was gonna say that sorry okay so this book is fine ish right like it compared to a lot of the other stuff we've read for this show this was an easy breezy read man like i went through it in a couple hours on my couch it wasn't a painful experience it, it was fine uh, I mean, it's certainly like a book that was edited and written by a person who is, you know, of sound mind and maybe put together some drafts and like had an outline. I mean, it's certainly better organized um, and better written than many things we've read, but I still think it's pretty bad and didn't need to be written. So I, I, I agree with you. It was very easy to read. I mean, it went went by like that. I don't know if our page... I feel like the pages in our in the electronic version of this were very generous. Like, when I was thinking, oh, God, this is going to be a 470-page book, I thought it was going to take so long, but it took no time to read. And there... I don't know. Maybe the weird. font was big in the print version? Uh, yeah, maybe it was. Um. Anyway, it was easy to read. Um... I will agree that there were, you know, there were very few typos or grammatical errors. I mean, the, you know, it, it, the dialogue was silly. I yeah, think a lot you of the know, time. There was like a cute moment early on in the book. I think we both liked this where the, the filler family rock, paper, scissors, Nana and the dad are all sitting around the table and they have this like game they play where someone says they had a difficult time and someone else tries to one-up it. It's like, oh, I had to walk uphill both ways in the garbage. Oh, you you were able to walk? I had to crawl, you know, that. And then someone goes, you had feet? Like, yeah, that, yeah. that was, yeah. I, yeah. So, there, so one of the good things about this book is that the way the family, so Rock, Paper, Scissors, Nana, and her dad, the way the family is built, like your relationship with them is built and and expanded, I think was very good. They felt very real to me. It seemed, you know, their family relationship made sense. I, I felt like all of that was good. It was somewhat charming, too. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Like, the family, the way the family interacted, the way they were described, it felt very, yeah, felt natural, made sense. It was Everything. a nice way to get introduced to the whole filler worldview yeah. and mindset. yeah. Second thing I liked is actually the fill cities and and the idea of fillers and stuff. I mean, the idea that people would elect to be 
enslaved for eight generations. I don't know that that's I. That seemed a little hard for me to to really swallow. But I mean, historically, there's such, such thing as indentured servitude, right? Like, yeah, but eight generations is kind of nuts. I don't I don't know if anyone would sign up for that. Maybe some people would. Anyway, um, the idea of fill cities is really interesting. So you have this place, the centralized places where all of the waste goes and then it gets turned into fuel. And I just think that that's a, that's a cool idea in itself. Like I, at the beginning of the book, I was like, Oh man, I'm so into this. This is a really cool concept. Like people. Minus so the slavery part is a little, <laughs> well, I, but like, you know, I was like, I don't know, would people really do this? And then I was reading about when they were founded in 2025. And I was like, looks at calendar. Yeah. A couple years from now, people might be that desperate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd sign up to be a trash person forever if it meant I got to have a trash house of my own that I didn't yeah. have to necessarily so the, pay rent on. That's the deal. Everyone gets their own house and land, but they have to live in Phil City forever. They can never leave. So in whatever Phil City that they, I guess, sign on for. To be I, honest I with you, like I know this is a part that you, we were talking about we liked, but like I don't get why they couldn't leave. Like, what what did the Gitanos gain from them never leaving? What's wrong with them stepping outside sometimes? I think it's just because the Gitanos were a mob family and they just wanted control over literally everything, and they probably wanted to use the Phil cities to hide their crimes. So you don't want people leaving if they've seen crimes. Okay, yeah, but it can't be all so many crimes all the time. That, I don't know. It just seemed to like overstepping things. I, yeah, I agree that it... Just for the sake of the Gitanos being evil. Yeah, it definitely had, like, the whole you sign your eight generations of your family away thing definitely had the feeling of, like, how do I make this evil and extra bad future-y, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like, how do I make this super mad maxi? Ah, yes. But anyway... Uh, I think the idea of these like cities that are built around recycling waste into fuel is really cool. Yeah, not a bad idea at all. Yeah, and I was I was very bought in at the beginning with the description because you start off learning about fillers and then like getting into the the uh, paper and her family, and I was like, all right, this is gonna be cool. All right, I'm here. This is good. And then my opinion changed, but Chris, you can move on to the next thing you liked. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, another thing I liked in this book is that women are just on equal footing with dudes, right? Like there, there's not paper yeah, is true. just an adept engineer. And it's not like that's like pointed out be, like, oh, because she's a lady, it's any different or anything. She's just good at that. People accept her that, yes, of course, she would be fine and good at that. And there's plenty of women in positions of power in the book. And it's. You know, it is in the future, so perhaps, like, you know, things have somewhat smoothed out in regards to that. By, yeah, it's by 20, 2085, so... Maybe. 64 years from now? Maybe, but I just like that it's very flatly just, yes, they're... Some women are good at things, some women are bad at things, some dudes are good at things, some dudes... Like, it's not yeah, played up for anything, it's just yeah. part of yeah. the fabric. I'm glad you pointed that out, because that was actually something that I didn't really think about, but yeah, good point. And in that in that respect, and in actually some other respects, this book reminded me a lot of the labyrinth. What was that book called? Something labyrinth. Time cops. The time cops book. <laughs> Young Legion? adult. Yes, it reminded me a little, a lot actually. Labyrinth of Aeon Legion. Time cops is the better title. Clearly, <laughs> excuse me. It reminded me of Aeon Legion Labyrinth by J.P. Bobion. Oh, oh, so uh, there it is. I okay. believe our 
14th episode? <laughs> no. 18. I think it was 18th. 18th, ep- 18th episode long ago. But it had a lot of similar flavors to that book. Like strong female character, ex- sex equality or gender equality, um, like future that is, well, I guess the other one was a little more unbelievable, but you know, future time stuff, space stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it just had and it it had sort of a young adulty feel to yes. it as well, yes. which is what made me think of that. Uh, anyhow, uh, Chris, your next point about what you liked, I think I don't know if you want to do that one or what. No, I'm gonna skip right over to this like second to last one here, where like this is a type of fiction that I kind of let slide on a lot of things. I feel like because um. I guess I like it when you're trying to be a little bit funny. Sometimes it's grating for sure. Like even in this book, there's a couple of times where I'm just like, okay, can we stop trying to be funny all the time? But there's like this particular, I don't know what to call this particular style of fiction. It's like sarcastic or irreverent fiction. Hounded kind of fits into this mold a little bit. Cause that was like trying to be a little funny. You suck was along these lines as well. Um, you know, something like Monster Hunter International isn't that. That's like kind of the opposite line where like it's he's trying to be like cool and sarcastic in the character in Monster as a character in Monster Hunter International, but it's not overtly trying to be funny a lot of the time. It's sort of like in that Terry Pratchett slash Douglas Adams vein, even though those two are much more funny much more often. Um, where like everything is like every third or fourth paragraph has some kind of gag or joke or some kind of attempt at being jokey. I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you that it's trying to be irreverent fiction. I just don't think it gets there. It never once makes fun of itself or the genre that it's in. It, I don't think it succeeds in, like you said, it doesn't succeed in being all that funny. There was one line that got me, and then I liked the the joke you already mentioned. So two things that I can think of offhand. I mean, for me, it really, it reminds me of like, uh, so Demon Pig, we read that uh, several episodes yeah. ago. Demon Pig is a much better version of this sort of irreverent style, but Demon Pig succeeds in that it makes fun of itself and the genre that it's trying to nest within, whereas this never really does that. Um it it's everything is at face value the whole time. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Demon Demon Pig had some similar problems, which we'll get to in a minute, but this is just kind of like rainbow popcorn with glitter that will give you a cavity. Like that's how this book feels to me. Yeah. It's like it's like too wholesome. It's very because, sugary. Because it's so wholesome, it's actually it actually becomes lame. And the way that the author tries to fix this is like I'm going to say dog shit and fuck <laughs> and it's going to be cool now. And it's like, you can say dog shit and fuck. And that doesn't make your book. That doesn't elevate your book. At That's all, my new know? curse that I'm going to use whenever I like, stub my toe. Now it's like dog shit and fuck. Like, just... <laughs> dog... Oh, there's dog shit and fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But Paris, would you give, is there a name for this style? I, I think irreverent fiction is, but it isn't that. That's the thing. It's trying to be that, but it doesn't succeed. This feels like a an all too wholesome young adult book. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, we'll get right now. We're going to launch into why it is that because we're going to go into the things that were not good segment. Come along with us to the things that were not good. 
All right, biggest problem with this book, it's another hero's journey where the main character is very special and there's a band of helpers that help her and nothing ever really goes wrong or fails. And whenever it does, there's a backup plan, there's a backup plan to the backup, backup plan, the backup to the backup, backup, backup plan, and everything's always fine. Are you, so Paris, I just want to clarify here. Are you saying that any use of hero's journey to you is, is lame or like the way it's done here? The way it's done here and in many books we've read where the main character is very special and they always have a band of helpers that get them out of any jam. That Those parts of the hero's journey are the things that I don't like. <laughs> okay, but so, by virtue of being a protagonist, they are special, right? Because we see things from their viewpoint, I suppose, if you're doing the hero's journey No, thing. no. I'm saying special... <laughs> Maybe you're misunderstanding the use of the word special here. They're always special because they're always extra magical, extra strong, extra hot. Like, they're always hotter, stronger, like, better, faster, fuck me, Daft Punk, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, they like, did just break up. I, th I you know, I really wish uh, I could have had that Daft Punk orgy or threesome with them at some <laughs> point. But Harder, better, faster, stronger. Uh, that That's, I think my problem is that they never really have flaws and when they do something always gets them out of their flawed mistake like yeah i'm trying to actually never... think of like a flaw paper head besides being like a, maybe a little scatterbrained sometimes she has no flaws she's like great she's at engineering she's a perfect kind lovely woman <laughs> always so being so nice well she i mean she's written as just like the most wonderful person. And and I guess, I mean, I guess those people are out there, but like, it doesn't make for an interesting book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess Paper's flaw might be that she like, doesn't like her mom so much because her mom abandoned her. And there's like some tension in that relationship that she actually tries to get over. I feel like it's not of. really a flaw. Yeah, I, I'm reaching you. here, Paris. I'm <laughs> reaching. This, the whole point here is I'm like trying to <laughs> at least point to something, you know, but mm. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, so, yeah, and, and some examples, because obviously y'all didn't read the book. Examples of, like, there are no real consequences. Right at the beginning, Nana's fucking house burns down. But don't worry, literally a day later, all the fillers are like, here you go, have a new house, which is just not explained. Um, well, no, it's I mean, explained well, because explain Nana's it. been so good yeah. to everyone that they just like up and get her one. But that's just yeah. it's a continuing trend where there's something always there to like, you know, like in the scene where they're about to all suffocate and die in the simulated Mars habitat. The way that's solved is that Aurora and uh, Paper figure out, oh, just like have everyone sit under this tarp. And we like the half working oxygenator machine that we made will be enough there to let us hold out until people come to rescue us. And there's like a reverse vacuum involved or something. Yeah. They're just like, there's just always some insane way that they get out of insane problems, no matter how goofy the problem or solution for that matter. Uh, and that, I don't know. It doesn't, there are just never any consequences. One person dies in this whole thing. And I didn't particularly care about the trillionaire. I don't know about you, <laughs> yeah. Chris, but like... He, you're supposed mm. to kind of suspect Zach is like being like nefarious in some way, but he's just fine the whole time. Same thing with Aurora, right? Like you're supposed mm -hmm. to suspect Aurora as like this sort of like nefarious scheming person. 
And she kind of like insinuates that she might be trying to undermine Paper at a certain point, but then she just hops right back into, you're my sister. You're, like, we're kind of the same. Yeah, she exposes her as a filler to everyone, which, you know, should have plunged Paper into death. But somehow Paper forgives her and they, yeah, they they love each other like sisters. That was also confusing. I don't know if I could really get over. Maybe, you know what? Paper's a better person than me. I don't know She's if I could get over. She's such a lovely, wonderful woman, as you yeah. said, Paris. <laughs> I don't know if I could get over someone revealing my identity yeah, and therefore would, killing me in my entire family. Yeah, that would be a big uh, column in the not buds section <laughs> for me. Totally yeah. not into it anymore. But like, yeah, but it's like all smooth. Even again, so like the the fact that paper is about to be executed, but then I mean th- they did kind of set this up with the whole dead body database, get out of jail free chip. But then also Angel. <sighs> Like, there's just this one Gitano that is sympathetic to them and helps them because he's just such a nice guy and he never wanted this mobster lifestyle, you see? Mm -hmm. but And and there are just so many instances of this. He must have done that with other, like, there's been other prisoners that he's had to see executed or something, right? Well, none of them were cute and young and single. I suppose. I guess, (laughs) even though I don't know if that's true, but... Yeah, and so this happens over and over and over again. I mean, we don't need to, I don't think we need to continue giving more examples. So again, it never feels like there are consequences, which makes the book really boring. Because after the first few scares, and then nothing bad ever happens, you're like, okay, well, clearly, this nothing bad is ever going to happen. And guess what? You're right. <laughs> uh, anything bad that happens is immediately rectified. And there's always a happy ending. I don't know. Yeah, I found it very Sort of boring. truth syndrome. What? Sort of truth yeah. syndrome. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Demon Pig had the same problem, but at least Demon Pig was making fun of itself and the genre, so it was like more excusable. And it was funnier. It was funnier yes. and it was it was clever. Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, other so there there's just a long list of like other things that I didn't like. Actually, do you want to talk about the dead body database right now? So yeah. we just brought that up before we go on. Yeah, because this was a confusing part for me as a whole. I understand that. Okay, the idea is that Jane, who had worked for Wasteway before, had some kind of way inside their other databases, or like the, I, I couldn't understand if she was just like hacking into things, or she was physically going somewhere to uncover this evidence. Of- so she worked at Wasteway. And um, I don't know how, but she somehow had was able to match DNA from all these murders to specific coordinates within like the trash pile. But there it says at the beginning that there's a big trash dump that's like churned and ground up by a big claw. So like, how are you finding body coordinates if if it's getting blended into a big blender of garbage? I mean, it seems really dumb where if you have one pile of things that is getting churned up all the time and <laughs> another pile that's not getting churned up that you wouldn't put the dead bodies in the one that gets churned up so that you could not be discovered no, for yeah, having the yeah, dead bodies. Right, you'd want to churn the bodies so that all their shit's all mixed up and becomes So someone soil. couldn't get specific coordinates in right. the trash pile. <laughs> yeah, so that was weird. I mean, I I guess the only other alternative to this I can think of that would make sense is that she was just able to pick up that their DNA was in the trash pile at all. But, but then it's like, trash is covered in people's DNA. 
So what does that even prove? I, yeah. I just don't think None that of this, this seemed like no. hard evidence at all. No, be, no, there's no, unless she could prove like it's 99% of their body's DNA, which even in 64 years, I don't know that we'll get to that point. Cause like, think about it. So much trash and garbage has people's DNA on it. If people are traveling around the country, you know, if you're not a filler, things are presumed to be fairly normal out there. It just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem like this, oh, I've got the mob family now. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make sense. So Also, if, if they were able to murder and cover up the murder of presidents and senators... Yeah, why would this... a filler be any trouble for them? <laughs> yeah, a filler and and her mom, like why would why would that be a problem? Yeah, I If I don't the know. data comes out after they're dead, you can just be like fake news. I'm sure fake news is at a whole other level in 64 years. So yeah, that sounds right to me. Speaking of speaking of the year. So yeah, so it's 2085. What if I, I guess the thing I didn't like about this uh, is that it's too similar to the present. Like the author didn't add in any sort of future slang or mention any country borders changing. Everything's just too similar to the present day. I mean, 64 years from now, the world is going to be very, very different. Oh yes. I am going to be dead. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, unless yeah. I get real lucky, I'm going to be fucking dead. So I just can't, you know, and if you think about 64 years in the past, you know, people spoke differently. There was different slang. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I just wanted a little uh, things to be livened up and like futurized a little bit more. There was a nuclear reactor in the car. It was, it was run by nuclear reactors. Isn't that enough for you, Paris? No, it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, I need that was more like the future one frosting on my sci-fi cake. <laughs> that was that was like the one different thing aside from the fact that they're going on a manned mission to Mars, you know yeah. that kind of thing. And there's too. like checkpoints, which brings me to my next point. So there are checkpoints you have to drive through, like they're toll booths, but they're really DNA checkpoints. And Jane and Paper, you know, Paper's Phil City is in New York. Mm -hmm. It's Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. I think. I think it's, it's Long Island, actually. Long Island. Sorry, it's Long Island. It's one of the New York Harbor Island. I don't fucking know. Anyway, um, so she escapes from there and her mom picks her up and they have to drive all the way to California. So that's, you know, 3,000 some odd miles. So they have to keep hitting toll booths. And at these toll booths, they have to provide DNA cards. And every time they get checked and they get and they and it's fine. And I'm like, you're both fucking fugitives. If you have an extradition treaty with the U.S. for fugitives, why wouldn't their DNA ping when they got checked at the checkpoint, I just don't fucking get that part. So I know Paper had just escaped and they may not have known, but Jane had she been had on like the a full false identity years. in paperwork, though, didn't she? No. I I thought like all her filler buddies gave her like this false identity paperwork. Yeah, but the but her DNA. Yeah, you can't physically change. <laughs> That's your what spin. I'm saying. <laughs> I don't because I remember Jane was like, "Oh, it'll show that we're a familial match." Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they did have some form of fake IDs and I missed it. But like, how does that work if you run? I guess maybe someone could have hacked in and changed their names that were matched to the DNA in the system. But that wasn't clear to me. So. But but the whole point being is like, if it's a DNA check system, you would put a um 
you would say, okay, a person with this DNA has gone missing. They're not going to check a name. The DNA is going to pop, right? Not the name. That doesn't make any sense. I, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I so, mean, like, you're right about it. Like, that's, that part confused me as well. Um, and then, like, the only thing that really happens with regards to this is that the there's the corrupt toll booth guy who isn't, you know, he's not hassling them because of their DNA popping in, in the wrong spot. It's just because he sees the lucky red scarab token and he wants the spot to on the Mars mission, I guess. Oh, sorry. I've, I think I figured out what the problem was. Phil City one never established a DNA database like the government did. So I guess they never had paper or Jane's DNA to like submit with their extradition requests. Specifically, Phil City One only. Yeah, that seems yeah. convenient. Yeah, that's equally stupid in the opposite direction. I agree. Um, <laughs> I yeah, and it's because it says like there's no way you can fake that our DNA is like a familial match. And I just saw like the next paragraph, a couple paragraphs later, later it said Phil City never had a DNA database. So, well, that's I agree. That's stupid in a different way. All right. Sorry, we figured that out on air live. <laughs> we can be wrong. We can be incorrect. Oh, we often are. Loud and wrong. Terrible. Loud story. and wrong. Mostly <laughs> shitting on a story. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, review. Not totally incorrect, reviewer. <laughs> but I think you missed some points there. All right. Yes. Sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just discovered that answer to a, the mystery. No, th th please interrupt when we're both being dumb about something. Still think the dead body database is not a problem and yeah, not that, matter. Yeah, that do still doesn't make any sense. You can't match I you can't match physical coordinates in a garbage dump. You they're not tagging you Paris, you're telling me <laughs> that they're tagging the location of every last Gatorade bottle and like <laughs> used yogurt container and takeout bin and uh, yeah, condom wrapper in the like no. there's a somehow the only other way is if jane physically went into the garbage dump and dug through it looking for a dead body right those are the two ways yeah, either she like, went into the garbage dump or there is or there is a lengthy database that the gitanos make of every single piece of trash no, and where it is no they they're very clear that jane made the whole thing herself so no, no, I understand that's the dead body database, but I'm saying if you want to know where a specific piece of trash is. No, they don't have it. No, it's very specific that they don't they don't have any modern technology. They prefer to do things the quote old fashioned way because I don't know the Italian mob shrug. So then the only way Jane could possibly get any coordinates is by physically going to the dump and digging through it. Right. What's which is the pretty, which is pretty noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> what's the only other way that yeah, give me some other explanation a yeah. drone that digs through it perhaps no chris i think we're no this is just a bad this is just bad let's move on <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm trying i'm trying to give this book some credit that's oh, all chris is stuck in the in the fill stuck in the pit <laughs> gotta get him out i'm digging through all this garbage trying to find a <laughs> coherent plot I think I see Chris's DNA. Quick! <laughs> You're stopping me at all the the plot checkpoints here, and like taking the <laughs> plot DNA, and still not pop it. I'm still, I can't. I can't finish that joke. I don't know where it was going. That's okay. My jokes have plot holes now. Oh, uh, I think you had a point that I agreed with about some more dumb plot shit. Speaking of plot holes, um, 
Oh. There's if do you wanna do you wanna talk about I mean it's your note, so I'll let oh, you know. Oh, this, this is one. like probably the most infuriating thing <laughs> in the whole book to me, and it's I it's infuriating to me whenever I see it in any piece of media whatsoever. Usually when there's some character that's like very smart and always always on top of things, is one step ahead of people. Okay, so at a certain point in the story, Jane is arrested um for being a fugitive. So apparently the DNA did pop at some point, right? No, she stole. She was trying to steal a car, and yeah, and they figured out she was a fugitive. I don't. Why? Because the DNA uh, popped somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> How they figure question. it out? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe her Phil City, but was had the data. I don't. All right, fuck that. Anyway, so she gets arrested, and she has a photo taken by just. I, it's in some newspaper, right? It's just like some journalist takes a picture of her. Yes. And in the picture, Jane is holding up her hand so that they're making a zero and a one. Oh, I think they know who she is because she tells them because she wants paper to see the... She wants them to know she's paper's mom. Something like that. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, she's holding up her hands to show zero and one, which is Aurora's contestant number on the show. So Jane got arrested on purpose and had a because she knew she would have a picture taken of her where she could hold up zero one to warn paper about Aurora, even though Aurora at the end of the book isn't a threat at all. So this is just Jane's hunch that Aurora is bad news for some reason or a plant of some kind. Yeah. So why do this? First of all, the the part where you're like, oh, I know that she's going to see this picture. And I know that Aurora has something to do, something shady going on here. I hate, hate, hate when something in a plot is based on like extreme probabilities lining up of Jane having this particular photo taken, taken of her. And like, what if the journalist or the photographer used another picture where she wasn't holding up her fingers that way? (laughs) What if he went from a different angle? What if paper never saw the the fucking photo? Right, right. I know. I hate, hate, hate when this thing is when this style of like plot revelation is and that used. and that and that happens throughout the entire book. This is this ties directly into what we were talking about earlier. How there's really no consequences and there's always like a backup plan to the backup plan and then something that say you know saves them in X situation and Y situation. It's all like part of all of that are is uh, this sort of structure where all of these prob these obs- obscure. Not obscure probability, but like uh, unlikely probabilities. Sorry, unlikely probabilities all line up together to produce the desired result. Also, Jane got arrested on a hunch that Aurora was bad. Right, and then Aurora wasn't even bad. So, like, what was the point of that? Extremely risky. I guess you could maybe say, oh, it's because she knew that then later paper would get thrown in the same prison cell as her, which is another extreme probability thing lining up for us here. But I don't think she even says, like, that was the plan either. No, I don't think so. So ultimately, it's just a really fucking boneheaded move Yep. to get yourself imprisoned by the family that wants to kill you. That you're trying to unmask, yeah. yeah. I really don't like it. I don't, like, it's it just never is satisfying when that's the way that things work out for the characters in any form of media. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I have this other very specific bone to pick with this book in that at the very beginning, 
The book opens with this scene. It says, tell me everything, paper, from the beginning. It's a lot. You sure you want me to go all the way back? Yes. Okay, well, the day I was born... Wait, hold on. I look over to the display across the two-tank chamber I'm trapped in. In 92 minutes, it'll either light up green, indicating I'm going to live, or it'll light up red, indicating this ship and me will explode into teeny pieces no bigger than 50 microns in diameter. So no, I don't think I have time to go all the way back to the day I was born. So it begins with this framing which is a framing I hate where the main character is like, Oh, I have to tell my life story, but like I'm about to blow up or die or be cut in half by a laser or something. And then the author never fucking ties it up. Oh, yeah. so I it starts, about it, it starts with this frame and there's no bottom to that frame. <laughs> <laughs> the story just, just fucking a- keeps going right through. <laughs> and I completely forgot this was part of this book. And you, you yeah. start talking about, it, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's how it starts. So this scene does happen later in the book, but it doesn't pick up by saying, and that's where we are now, where I am at this, you know, in it, he just forgot he did it and no one (laughs) caught it. And it went to press this way. No paper is still telling the story as it's happening. So it constantly, as the things are happening, she's narrating out loud and that person is still interviewing her. The whole time. You just yeah, never but, talk. <laughs> but no, it should tie up with when they get to the part where she has to hold this piece of putty on a crack in the spaceship for three, two hours or three hours or whatever. It should resume and say, okay, and that's where we are right now. And then she can continue telling the story. But like, don't fucking leave me hanging with this frame <laughs> with three sides. God damn it. Son of a bitch. Painting keeps falling out on the floor all the time. Oh, yeah, so please, if you're going to frame your story, please resolve the framing at some point. <laughs> Don't just fucking start it and forget. Like and then, a basic thing to keep track of. How many people didn't notice? How many editors and people, what did this go through? This is like a major publication. I oh, mean, I guess at the, the, there, there is that point where she's like holding a, a putty against like a crack in the... That, that's the scene, but, yeah, but they but never like, tie it up. You know, yeah, it, it's just like there's a period. She's like, and then I stood here holding it for two hours. And it's like, okay, so I'm just supposed to assume here is where. But then again, I totally forgot about that part. Yeah, by me the time too. I got to that part in the book. So, mm-hmm. um, anyhow, uh, and let's see, where are we now? Uh, oh, there's a rock climbing scene that makes no sense to me. So, there's a scene where paper helps a teammate climb a rock wall to win a challenge so she breaks the rules by helping someone and it's this big deal you know the crowd loves it viewers at home love it so her team wins the challenge so the thing that i don't get is that paper has broken she just broke some ribs and i understand that adrenaline plays a role here but she just broke ribs she's in a lot of pain but she goes over to the rock wall to help her overweight teammate up a rock wall so the thing is so at first i was like oh she helped her get on the wall but then i realized that she actually went up with her to the top of the wall i don't know how the fuck that's possible when you're climbing you need to have both your hands and arms engaged in general um just because you (laughs) 
you need all points of contact to stay on the wall because your body wants to fall off of a rock wall when you're climbing because of gravity right right so ah, see i know things right so i mean some basics are like you know you keep you try to keep your center of mass close to the wall so you don't want to like be hanging off the wall like a monkey right you want to you want you want el- bent elbows you want to have your chest your torso you're gonna be your, making out with the wall your butt yeah you're really you're fucking going at that wall like you're 14 and you're in the back of a car um <laughs> All right, so yet paper is supposed to be climbing this wall and pushing the ass of this other overweight, her overweight teammate. Um, and I keep saying overweight because I'm imagining like pushing someone up who is, you know, your weight or lighter is one thing, but someone who's even heavier than you while you're also holding your own weight on the wall. I just. Also, your I, ribs are broken. Also, your <laughs> ribs are broken. Like, I know they went through a couple weeks of, like, intense physical training. And I know adrenaline is a factor. But, like, I'm still pretty skeptical. I also don't know how high the wall is. But they made it seem like it was a decently long route. Um, I, look, look, man. I haven't gotten on a wall in, like, a year because of the fucking pandemic. But I, I like rock climbing. And I was, I'm not very good at it. But, like... I just imagined trying to push someone's ass while also trying to hold on to a, a rock wall hold. And I was like, I don't know how this is possible. All right, Paris, listen, anyway. when everything's cool again, uh, you and I are going to go to the rock climbing dr- gym. I'm oh going to shatter your ribs. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to help me climb up the rock wall for my first time ever climbing a rock wall, which is roughly equivalent to what was happening here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Except for my broken ribs. I don't know how I'm going to feel. Could, could you just like punch take me one real for the hard? Team. Take one for the team, Paris. No, we have to scientifically prove this. <laughs> um, I mean, you're getting the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. If my ribs are broken in the next few months, you know who did it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. And again, I know this is like a really small part of the book, but it bothered me. And again, yeah, I mean, this is this this was not a harnessed climb. This was you know, this was just bouldering. Fucking free solo over here. Oh no. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, yes and no. It's bouldering, you know. There's obviously a pad underneath. You're not outside free soloing. Ob- obviously. Of course. We all well, know this. Because it's a competition indoors, and they said, yeah. I think they said there was like padding or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, so it's bouldering. So you're not, you're not roped in. You're not, you don't have a harness or anything. So I, yeah, anyway. Is bouldering, why is it called bouldering? Is there um, a pebbling? Be, be, <laughs> no, because, uh, because the, the routes are set up like, you would climb a boulder outside because, you know, boulders aren't, you know, the side of a mountain, you know, mm-hmm. for for top rope climbing, which you usually do on like a cliff face on a mountain. That's why you're like, you know, locked into something for safety. Mm-hmm. But bouldering, if you're climbing a boulder, it's only going to be a few feet high, you know. Ah, so it's, it's a smaller rock formation that you're climbing. Ah, boulder is usually more technical, whereas top roping is more endurance. Anyway, the Thanks um, for explaining. I wanted to know. <laughs> Thanks for coming with me on this journey. Um, all right. I'll I shut up won't up. shatter your ribs next time. Oh, thank you. See, was You've it so hard it. to not shatter my ribs? Chris? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Some other dumb shit I hated in this book. Oh, fuck. All right. So Aurora is a pop star. <laughs> Get this. And so there's a couple of times. I got to look for some of these. Where, yeah, there's a couple of times where, uh, 
she sings and they provide you with like the lyrics. Um, and, uh, Oh man, are they fucking bad? And it's funny. Paris, um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Anytime I see a sung verse or a song in a book, I skim it. I don't read the whole thing because it's never good. And like I feel like as a musician, I'm always trying to like write a melody along with it, and it never works, and I feel dumb and it seems dumb. And I don't Do you also try to like write melodies along with it when you're reading these songs? Oh yeah, they always something always pops into my head. All right, so here's the one, here's the thing that killed me. So the scene is Aurora and Paper are, uh, they snuck into, uh, Aurora found a closet that didn't have um, cameras in it on the reality show. So she snuck in some tequila and she and Paper decide, you know, she's like, oh, Paper, come in here. Let's have some tequila. And Paper's never had tequila. So they have some drinks. And Aurora's like, um, she's like, oh, I'm working on a song. She goes, I'm working on the, the title song to her album, Rocket Girl. She clears her throat and sings, Rocket Girl, I'm going far. Gotta leave now, sail through the stars. If you look real hard, I'm that dot in the black. Will you be waiting if I ever get back? Sorry, that was my really dumb, bad pop song. And um, uh, ready for some cool compositions under that one, Paris. Very lame. My point was that it's very lame. And paper is she. This makes paper cry. (laughs) I was like, so moving. Like, look, dude. I know you just had a bunch of tequila, but like. Rocket girl, I'm going far. Gotta leave now. Sail through the stars. If you look real hard, I'm that dot in the black. Will you be waiting if I ever get back? Hardly a tearjerker. Seemed really I weird. Mean, maybe like if if you're making friends with a person outside of Phil City for like the first time, and that f- person expresses sort of like a confidence in your ability to do things, which is sort of like what this song is. It's like also like Aurora talking about herself too, but like. I think paper takes it as like, that could be me. I'm the rocket girl. It's very lame is my point. (laughs) It made me, it made me laugh instead of get emotional, which is, you know, the opposite of, I assume what the author was going for. There's also another part in the book where there's a two members of the crew on the reality show named drew and Skylar. And, uh, towards the end, they start dating, you know, there's this running joke about how, Oh, you know, we're all together long enough. We're going to start dating. Everyone's going to start dating. They start calling them Drooler. Droolar. Like, Drew and Skylar. And I was like, you missed a fucking opportunity. Drew and Skylar's portmanteau should clearly be screw. Like, that's way funnier (laughs) to me. (laughs) Like, why would... You told that to me. I saw that in the notes. And I was like, this is funnier than anything in the book. (laughs) This is just a better joke than anything that was actually in the book. Yeah, like, wouldn't it be... Because they keep running off to screw, which is, like, perfect. They keep running off to fuck. And it's like, how can you see Skylar and Drew and not go... Oh, look, screws off screwing again. You know, like, come on. It just would have been drooler. Oh, come on, people. The joke is right there. You just got to grab it off the shelf. It's on the top of the joke garbage pile. You don't even have to have any coordinates or anything. It's right there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Chris, you have some other notes uh, I'll let you get to, but those are... (laughs) 
sure my petty I mean, problems. How about it, while we're still being nitpicky? This is again our personal TBC pet peeve, as you've all got accustomed to. You don't have to have the romance subplot. It's super. Un- don't stop doing romance. <laughs> fucking stop. <laughs> Cut Especially- it out. Especially in this story where the romance subplot was like maybe a total of 10 lines of the entire book and it made no difference. You don't fucking need it here. There's even a part early on where it's like, oh, Benji, the contestant, is also nerdy. Like, paper, they're going to get together. And they're like, nah, we're just going to be buds. And I was like, hooray, thanks. There's just an opposite sex friendship that's not a big deal at all. We don't have to do this romance thing. But then later... We throw in this romance, barely a subplot. Like, yeah. it, it literally, Paper gets imprisoned by the Gitanos. Angel is there helping her negotiate her way out of the situation because he doesn't like his family that much because he's just such a nice guy. Oh, he's just born into this shitty family. And they fall in love with each other because... Because reasons, there's because it's. No, reasons. I I think it's like maybe it, it, it's posited that you know oh paper just had some Stockholm syndrome and this was like the one person helping her or something but then she escapes and it's still the same feeling and she's like no it's totally not that I just really like him and she liked him before he it's not even because like he saved their lives or anything it's just oh he was cute the end I'm in love with him we're going to get like. She literally says, "I can't wait to marry that boy." At the end, what, and you're like, like what, "What? Why? Yeah. Why? What, what did? What? How? Why? I mean, you were asleep for three months in space of this like <laughs> six month relationship, and then there was yeah. the three months coming back where you were asleep again. Yeah, I. So in total, and the thing is, like, if it's trying to be irreverent and make fun of stories like this, it didn't do a good job because it seemed very genuine. The entire time, no, the writing seemed this very isn't genuine. Like jokey or funny. This is definitely not some kind of sarcastic take on like, oh, there's a, because even on the back of the summary that we read there, it's like adventure slash love story. No, it's not. It's, it's not, not a love story. It, there's like 10 story. pages of this book that maybe talks about these two well, loving he, each other so much. Unless he's talking about the familial love or the love between Paper and Aurora. I, I guess you could argue for the paper and Aurora love story development. Actually, that's the, a way more compelling love story in this book. Yeah. Is, is the Aurora and paper thing. Yeah. The sisterly but, bond is much more compelling than anything well, else. Well, right. Which is, which is why I wish they would have focused on that and the family. Really, they did a good job focusing on the, the familial love relationship. The Aurora and paper thing. I just, I found, I, I found it difficult to believe that they would be so that they would feel so close to one another given everything that happened. Yes. Um, so I had a little bit of a hard time with that, but still I would rather us focus on that than I love this random mob guy because I saw him for five minutes once and then I was in space for a year and now we're getting married, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. Stop to stop putting needless romance subplots in your books. Look, I'm please not- stop. Listen, I, I think we also should clarify here. TBC is not necessarily 100% against all romance or sex scenes of any kind. We've had a couple examples of things that we thought were well done here. I love how we always have to give this a disclaimer because everyone thinks we hate love. <laughs> Haters of love. I mean. It's not true. No. It's just that it's so overused and boring. And there's just way too much emphasis on the importance of heterosexual romantic love 
And like just in, being in a relationship because that's the thing you're supposed to yeah. do, and that's like how you know everything's going fine. It's like, oh, I I solved the adventure, and also I have a love interest. Therefore, everything is going great in my life. Yeah, like why couldn't it just be you solved the adventure and then you planted a tree, like, and now everything's good, or and then you got a puppy, or and then you wrote a book, or and then you went on vacation, or you know what? And then I had a fucking hot chocolate. Like I don't know why everything yeah. has to end. It does. Like there's Ugh. other pleasures in life that we can end on or like look forward to. Again, yeah, I'm I'm not. I have a partner. You have a partner. Mm-hmm. We're not some sort of like you know asexual. Like, no love ever kind of thing. That's fine, too. If that's your thing, of course. But, yeah. like, it, it just doesn't have to be such a integral part that has to be shoehorned into every goddamn story ever. And this was, I mean, this shoehorn was, like, jagged. It it was going to give you It didn't even tetanus. go in a shoe. It went in, like, a fucking shirt or something. Like, I mean... It was real horned in there. It was real. <laughs> Somebody just shoved it in. Like they had to, they had to cut the limbs off this love subplot <laughs> to get it in there. Like <laughs> they really did because there's nothing here for like no. it's it's the this is one of the most egregious examples of this that we've seen. <laughs> yeah, and and I and the weird thing is that the book, you know, makes fun of a lot of these tropes about romance with the uh, reality show. But the weird thing is that it's all real. They're like, Oh, ha ha. Of course somebody got married, but like, no, they really love each other. And it's like, dude, that's not, it's not funny if it's not fake, right? You're supposed <laughs> to be making fun of, I don't know. Rea- I, I might disagree. Like it could be funny if two people are like stupidly in love and like actually legitimately are, you know, if they're like completely stupid about it. it can no, still no, be no. Funny. I meant, I meant for this book, you know, if it's supposed to be irreverent fiction, we're supposed to be having a laugh at things and we're not having a laugh at reality TV though. We're no. just reading a story about reality TV. We're yes. not, we're not critiquing it at all. Which by the way, <laughs> kind, of kind of another point that I, I made here is that the reality TV show part of this is the plot, right? Like most of the yeah. book is actually them going through the challenges mm-hmm. and you would think like more of it would be the Gitano conspiracy subplot thing that's happening here, but that doesn't really rear its head. Like, I guess like, you know, in the segment where, uh, paper is captured and put in the holding cell with Jane is kind of like where it pops up again. And that's like midway through the book for like 30 pages, maybe. And then they're back into the whole uh, game show thing until the government is like, hey, you better stop going to Mars, which is, again, related to the Gitano subplot. But basically, it's just a way to speed up the last segment so that they go to Mars and they find the super fuel which mm-hmm. is when the whole conspiracy comes back to a head in like the last 80 pages or so. And they just find the fuel there. There's just bubbling out the surface of Mars just there. No, they were drilling and it came up during a drill. But that's still pretty fucking close, right? Like True. it's like if you yeah. just drill randomly and it's there. They were on the planet for like an hour. Yeah. Like if 10 it, if minutes? it's just right. If it's just like you stick a drill anywhere and it's like, uh, I drink your milkshake almost instantly. <laughs> also, how, okay, if this is like only on Mars, how did the Gitanos know about it to cover it up? Was there some other sample? Pre- There's not like a meteor from somewhere else was discovered with this. They never insinuate that. The Gitanos just know about it. Uh, there was an explanation. Did they send a probe Please or something? Hold. 
Um, I saw something I wasn't supposed to, a report about a compound containing an element, an element that's not even on the periodic table. Wasteway is covering up something. I know it. Where did they find the compound to have a report on it? Dude, I don't fucking know. If, if no that's one's what ever I mean. been to Mars, I... God damn it. <laughs> well, they, they said first manned mission. So uh, maybe Wasteway sent out a probe to Oh, Mar- wait. No, no, no. Because we're talking about... I mean, we have we have rovers on Mars right now. We just sent up... Uh, what's his name? What's what's his name? What's her name? The first, the first one was Curiosity. And then we just sent up... Perseverance? Perseverance. Is that it? Right? I think so. Fuck. I know they made it a lady rover. Um... Can, also, is yes, this the perseverance. Part? Yes, yeah. And then they they mentioned one called Inquisitor that oh, went that's up. right because oh oh shit, this is actually another yeah. thing that I totally forgot about. Pack. Yeah, they they mentioned like um, isn't there a line in here about like oh we can't send anything over there to contaminate the Mars because there might be like human uh, biology on the on the uh-huh. rover or something. Yes. They 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 make sure they don't do that. When the rovers yeah. that we build over here, they're built in like quarantine things with people wearing like biohazard suits that they're deloused in before they get into specifically so there is no human material on the other planet to be detected to like throw off calculations or anything. So yeah. we've been doing that already. That's not a problem. Just a minor nitpick. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so there's really okay, no. So fine. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. The but then if the government knew about it, why wouldn't the government be up there trying to get this fuel? Like, yeah, because yeah, the Gatanos didn't send out Inquisitor. No, no, it was the federal government. So, so, so uh, I, the Gatanos are you know assumingly they're tied up in the government if they can have like a bill passed to like don't go to Mars overnight too. But I, it's just a lot of moving parts that have to line up perfectly for them to know about it and also cover it up completely. Yeah, they'd have to be threatening to kill a lot of people. Also, if you if you're tied up in the federal government so much anyway that you can cover it up, wouldn't you just get a monopoly on the contracts to mine things from Mars and yeah. still maintain your fuel monopoly that way? That's Perhaps. also that's also what I was thinking. I was like, why wouldn't they just go after the fuel and try to privatize it like they did with waste? I mean, it just seems. Yeah, what what you just said exactly <laughs> is what I was also thinking about. And I was like, I don't get why they didn't just. Do so, that. yeah, we've been going okay. on for 45 minutes now just about all these different <sighs> little uh, plot holes or like on un- loose ends that. Maybe if there was just one or two of them in the story, I, it would be fine. But there's so many little things that just kind of make this ramshackle plot barely float along to the end, limping yeah. back into the space station for refueling. <laughs> well, and then there's Zach Larson, the trillionaire, who's running the show and who just, you know, he he explains that he knows so much about the contestants and has all these, like, plan B and plan C and plan D for everything because he has placed microphones in all of the winning scarabs so that he can listen in on all of these people's lives so that he knows how to fuck with them or reward them on the show. How do you have time for that (laughs) as a trillionaire? 
I'm assuming he has to outsource that to like people that listen and edit yeah. things for him, right? Like if you're a trillionaire, you could pay the exorbitant cost. It would be like, hey, sit in this room and listen to this person's life and just cut out the good parts for me. I mean, Russia did that. They yeah. probably still do. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't. It seemed a little much. Um, he doesn't really use it except for like against paper, though, right? Like. No, I mean, that's how he designs the show, you know, like how to punish or reward them for things or whatever. Um, but he's he's a kind of a loose end to me because, as we casually mentioned earlier, he turns out he is also an escaped filler. And I just how so how many people are just always escaping these cities and no one ever captures them? So what Phil city was he from? If, if he was, so we've established that Phil City 1 doesn't have a DNA database, but there's, I think, 12 other Phil Cities yes. around the world. So yeah. do all of them not have DNA databases? And even so, I mean, Zach Larson achieved, you know, notoriety with his vast wealth. Someone I, would be like, hey, it's that guy that I don't see so much anymore. I mean, he's also in his 60s, so... He would have escaped, I guess I don't know when he escaped, but presumably when he was young. Anyhow, you know, turns out he's a filler and that's why he likes paper and like has tried to help her so much. But Chris, I think you pointed out, you know, if you're a filler and you care so much about fillers, why didn't you try to do anything before this fucking reality show moment? Yes, exactly. Zach Larson just escapes and like builds his riches and does nothing to help the plight of his former community. Yep. Which I, you know, I guess might be, you know, not unheard of in real oh, life. Oh no, believable, but yes. but they build the character to be this. But this is another thing I didn't like is that they build this trillionaire to be this loving, kind trillionaire mogul of a social media company, and it's just like, come on, y'all. But he didn't really use his resources to help much of anyone. He just right. used it for his pet project to go to Mars. Which oh, again, and also I, to get Elon Musk's Tesla. Yeah, so specifically, that's the thing I was about to say is that he's very clearly an Elon Musk like, even as so far as that he goes and gets that Tesla that Elon Musk fired into space to be more like Elon. Uh, yeah, and you know, so when he dies, it's like whatever. He gets stabbed. He dies. No, he gets stabbed. They put him in the, oh my God, the magical medical mummy bubble or whatever. The back to tank. Yeah, the back to liquid tank. And Star then Wars. he comes out for a minute and is like, paper, I must tell you, I'm a filler. Also, I've left all of my fortune to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Very convenient comes to for a minute to tell her that. When did he have time to change his will? First of all, when did he make this decision? They've been stuck. At this point, they had been in space and their communications had been cut off by the federal government for days, weeks. So when did he decide he was going to leave his whole life to paper? Some point during the competition, I suppose. Why? Why? Why would you be like, oh, I like her. All right. She's going to get it all if I croak. <sighs> Maybe like right before they left for space, he like handed it to his I, I mean, I, I guess I just don't. I mean, I just don't but understand like, why. why. Like, has he never had a friend that he liked in his <laughs> sixty-five years, sixty-seven years of living? 
Yeah, there's some fucking, like, that personal assistant, the, his Smithers has been by his side yeah. for his entire life. It was, Dr- yeah, Drew or whoever it was on the crew. Yeah. They, they, this he, is spoil- he hears about that, he's just like, what the fuck? Spoilers for Knives Out in three, two, one. If you haven't seen Knives Out, spoilers. This is just like Knives Out, where the main character leaves his fortune to his, like, part-time nurse because his family sucks. But they don't even ta- say that Zach has a family because they're all fillers. Why wouldn't he leave his fortune to his filler family instead of paper? <laughs> Fuck them. That's why. Maybe they're all dead. I don't fucking know. Uh Yeah. It it just there's so many things in here. And you know, when we were first talking about this, I was like, oh, this is fine. I liked. I kind of didn't hate my time with this book. I might give it a five out of ten. But the more we talk, Paris, the more I'm like. Mm. Like a low four, maybe. Yeah. Oh, guess what they name the element they find on Mars? Oh, yeah. Here's there's a stupid cap on everything. Marsonium. Oh, wow. So creative. Wow. So at least name it after Larson, who just died or paper (laughs) or Aurora. Anyone who found it. Larsonium. Paper. It's right there. Just like one letter away, right? Paperite. Paperite, yeah. Larsonium, like yeah. any, yeah, yeah, you're right. One letter away. I mean, literally next door in the alphabet too. You you just have to open the window <laughs> and take. Oh shit, that'll be a better way to do it, right? Yeah, it just seemed really silly to name it Marsonium. I think that's also, but that's like also a joke, Paris. Like it's trying to be funny with how it's like, not funny at I, all. Yeah, I I know, but I'm just trying to point out to you that I think the intent was for it to be kind of dumb. Well, and the weird thing about this is that I'm so I thought this was a book for adults, but the more I read it, I was like, this is a young adult book, but I don't know if that's actually how it's marketed. I'm going to check right now. How can you check how it's marketed? Uh, It's usually listed as under a certain category in the. um. Oh, Audible. Ugh, I want to go to Audible. <laughs> Get out <laughs> Ew. of here. Ew, Audible. Who listens to books? No, I, who who listens to people talk about? Bo- I, I, shit, I mean, um, <laughs> apparently a lot of our YouTube audience is people searching for audiobooks and landing on our podcast too. So that's who. Yeah, I just called you out, fucking freeloaders looking for free audiobooks. <laughs> hey, whatever. We're I'm not, not gonna, providing. I'm Stop not gonna, asking us to fucking read House of Night out loud. Yeah. Stop. I, well, what people don't understand is that that's not legal to do when a book is still under copyright. You can't read the entirety of it f- on the internet. You can't do that. It's it's like stealing any other kind of art. So please stop asking. It's not also legal. once also once again the worst offender of this is the fucking ho tactics episode. Oh, what is God. wrong with you people? <laughs> no one wants to pay for ho tactics. They just want those tactics for <laughs> free. Free tactics. All right. Um it is listed under humorous science fiction, so not listed under young adults. Yeah, this is just for anyone that wants some humorous science fiction, because they say dog shit and fuck. No, but this this is just a kid's book. I mean, and I don't, I, I guess I don't want to say that as though, like, children's literature isn't good ever, but it it's just so boring and simplistic, and it's, there's just this childlike wholesomeness to it that instead of being endearing is just lame that's the best way i can describe it i mm, very one-dimensional i mm, yeah not for me so i guess we're at the 
Uh, unless you want to go for that last point, Chris, I think we're at the can we fix it part. Uh, yeah, let's go for can we fix it. Okay. Yeah, there's a... I mean, this could have been cool. I think the idea of the Phil Cities is good. I like the idea... Uh, I, or I like the way that Paper and her family were constructed. It started off strong. You know, started off mm-hmm. fine. Like something I would maybe read... You know, while I'm waiting for something, airplane airplane book is kind of kind of how I think about them. But it just became a Hallmark Channel original sci-fi Christmas story. <laughs> wow, that's sort of, all of them in there. Wow. It just <laughs> it felt like a Hallmark Channel original sci-fi. It just was like every Wait, has Hallmark ever done sci-fi stuff? No, that's my joke. Is oh, that shit, it's too I wholesome. totally want to watch a sci-fi Hallmark movie, Paris. Oh, Chris, if they ever we... do that, I would fucking eat it up. Chris, I think spoon. we did. I think we we watched so much of that fucking show. What's that called? Dark Matter? Kryptonite. Yeah, Dark Matter. Dark Matter is in no way a Hallmark-ass show. It's extremely lame and terrible. In the production quality, sure, but not like the content of... The content is super lame and terrible. Are you remembering the same show? But like Hallmark stuff is like wholesome and like not yeah, dark. I as... guess... Oh, this isn't. Anyway, anyway, moving <laughs> on. I think we've talked about it. I would be more interested in this book if it A, made fun of sci-fi and itself like Demon Pig did with fantasy. If this book did a little bit of that with sci-fi and futuristic stuff, it would be good. Um... And also, if there were real consequences to any of the characters. Yeah, I wish so, there was a little bit more danger here. Yeah, I need, I don't know, man. I just need some kind of danger or dread or sharp conflict or horror. Or I need something that is a real problem. Every time a real problem is presented in this book, I just rolled my eyes because I was like, well, what's going to be their zany fix for it this time? It really is like watching a cartoon that that's what this book reminded me of watching a cartoon and not a clever one like a basic cartoon about a bunch of young people in space and i i don't know how many people really want to read something like that i mean i guess they must because this guy seems to be a pretty popular author but it is not for me uh i need i need some kind of grit or edge to my books i also need some kind of um self-aware humor if you're if you're going for this irreverent sort of fiction angle then you need to make fun of yourself in the genre and this just doesn't do that at all so yeah and you know the the pointless subplot of romance that doesn't make any sense um and i think we also discussed how much of a problem the dead body database really is so several things could have been change and this would have been good you know i could see this being a good book because it started off really strong but um yeah unfortunately this is i think as our patron luchek said you know not the kind of fiction for me and i i think i'm gonna fall uh in there with him where this is just not the kind of fiction for me i find it yeah just uninteresting i mean for me i do generally kind of like this style when it's done well in fact i i i most of my like non sci-fi or fantasy fiction, I would I would probably edge towards something like this, even without any sort of sci-fi or fantasy bent on it. I think this book could have done better with just a little bit tighter plot writings, like tying up at least half of these loose ends. 
Um, maybe if like they focused a little bit more, the Aurora paper thing was pretty good. And I wish that was more of the heart of the story is like their exact rivalry and how that relationship develops. It's, it's kind of like Rocky in here, but like if Aurora hadn't been the one to throw paper under the bus, if she perhaps had thought about doing it, but in the end was the one that like helped her out of that jam so that they or, could truly have a sisterly bond. Yeah. Or I was thinking the same thing. Or if they, or if it was like, she, she you know, pulled paper into that closet with no cameras and was like, I have your picture, you know, and like tried to blackmail her. I feel like that's a little more recoverable than outing her. So she potentially gets yes. murdered. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you she know? went straight for the nuclear option <laughs> yeah, like, when yeah. she had the chance to do it. And so, like, that kind of a thing, I think if the dead... I don't even know how to fix the dead body database. Because, like, if you just have, like, oh, the Gitanos have a database of their own dead bodies, that's the dumbest shit in the world for, you know, someone trying to cover up a thing. So it, like, there had to have been some clearer evidence of bodies being passed through the system somehow, besides just a vague hand wavy, well, I found the coordinates. Yeah, I think, honestly, if it, it could have been as simple as... Because it, it mentions how they uh, the Gatanos use uh, old tapes. Yes. They constantly keep everyone under surveillance. Why didn't you just find a way to save? If she had saved surveillance tapes of murders. Sure. That would And made copies. That would have been a f- way more compelling. Yeah, like <laughs> fucked over by your own insistence on using old technology or something like that. Yeah. Like, and I mean, you would see crimes being committed or bodies being dumped, right? You wouldn't be like, oh, someone's DNA is in here. Cool. It could be a yogurt cup or their water bottle, you know? So, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, other than that, I mean, like, like you said, it's the, the basic structure is fine and it starts out strong. So I wish it spent a little bit more time on this sort of like family outside of the family elements yeah. that, that is built up somewhat kind of, you know, there's a decent attempt here. It's not total mm-hmm. trash. And yeah. if you focus more on that, dump the whole angel thing entirely. Agree. This is another thing where you could have like been imprisoned with Aurora or something somehow for whatever reason, and they you know maybe she got you out of that jam, or Aurora was the one that freed you somehow through some other method. Because she's a pop star and she knows mob people. I don't sure. know anything. Yeah, right. Like yeah, it, not just like you happen to be in prison with your mom who happens to find all the <laughs> presidential yeah. dead bodies or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think this book is really only for people who want something saccharine and feel good and you know they just want an uh, quick and easy really happy easy story in space i guess this is for you this is a mcdonald's chicken sandwich sci-fi novel (laughs) right like it is cheap it's kind (laughs) of warm it tastes fine. <laughs> it's got some crunch. Some crunch. Yeah, if just you don't, don't think look about at the it, lettuce. Too, just, yeah, don't you don't, yeah, yeah, just don't open. Don't look at. Don't look don't inside. Look, don't look at the lettuce for sure. That's don't that's not, look inside the sandwich. <laughs> that that but that part will make you sad if you inspect actually what you're consuming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, since you didn't fill your notes in, I'm just gonna type McDonald's chicken <laughs> sandwich. For future reference, of course, of when we go back to the episode docs, which we do all the time. <laughs> well, when we have to prepare for another, like, for episode 200 or oh, episode God. or, oh, God, we've been doing this for 10 years, which is actually approaching. Yes. <laughs> we've been doing this for six years. Okay. Six well, years. Here we are. Wow. I'm going to die reading terrible <laughs> books, aren't I? <laughs> 
Oh man, the one that I'm uh, we're carving through right now. So there's gonna <sighs> be a, yeah. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Actually, this episode. Yeah. Why don't we? Um, and then I yeah. can talk about future book stuff. Okay, yeah, let, let's do the wrap-up. So thank you, patrons. Once again, happy birthday, Luchek. Thank you so very much for being a patron for so long and for always sending us messages and stuff. Uh, really appreciate it. Really appreciated your recommendation of this book for this year. Um, yeah, uh, it was a, it was a, I think it was worth reading, you yes. know, just to, for our own information. This was I, one of the more painless ones. So thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it, but... It was easy to read, so thank you. And I again, I, I think it was, I think for us on this show, it was worth reading because yes. it was a type of fiction that we hadn't read in the sci-fi realm. So, you know, anyhow, thanks, Luchek. I hope you had a great birthday. And let's thank the rest of our patrons. So thank you to Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Lynn, Sinya, Yakub, Bobby Blackcat, Jensina, Mayocat, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Scott, and we already said thank you, Luchek, CTAP1, Miri, Yanka, Robert Allen Cook III, David, Julius, and Anna. Anya. I'm going to guess that that's Anya based on your last name, which I will not reveal. <laughs> but if, if it's Anna, tell me I'm wrong. Thank you. couple thank of you, new patrons. faces in there. Thank you very much for joining had, the roster list. God, we have had so many new patrons lately. I don't know what's going on, but thank you. Yes, thank um, you so, so, so much. Especially people that are joining it like the $10 tier. Yeah, Jesus. You Fantastic. Thank you very, very, very much for patronizing our silly podcast. We hope you are enjoying the content we deliver to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I usually announce when people are new, but we're actually recording this episode out of order. So I think I wrote that in episode one hundred and eleven, in the one eleven doc, and it's we're recording one twelve before one eleven. So yep. apologies. Thank you to our newest patrons. I want to say it's Julius and Anya are the yes. two newest ones. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. I was right. Yay! <laughs> All right. But seriously, it's been raining patrons lately, and uh, we really appreciate it. If we keep going like this, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, we may be able to get that um, that transcription service going before before next year. But we'll see. We'll see. Right now, we're still working on getting that new art of Tereblo and getting you some fun stuff. Uh, if you it's are happening, it's close. Yeah, like we've seen the concept art and it's it's uh, getting finalized right now and it's great. Yes, uh, I'm doing something ridiculous with it for sure. Yeah, for himself. Chris is having his own Tereblo party of one um, or party of two, him and Tereblo. Uh, <laughs> so we're getting that new art um, and we're going to put it on something small that we can mail to you. So if we don't have your address and you are a current patron, please give us your address so we can mail you something. It's probably not going to be for a while because we still have to figure out what we're going to put the art on once we get it. But in the next couple of months, you'll get something from the Terrible Book Club. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you are listening and are not a patron, you can help support the show by becoming one. Uh, or you can subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Goodreads. You could, I don't know, tell someone about the show rant and rave about how wonderful or terrible it is and just get people to listen to it. Uh, you raise that share... brand awareness. Yeah. You could share the show on a social media platform of your choice. Um, and lastly, you could leave us some reviews. Um, when we get new reviews, we're going to read them on the show. So please, please leave us some reviews. We like reading them and they are nice to get. Um, we also enjoy getting emails that that's actually is a way to support the show because it um, pulls us from the depths of 
misery that we are in after reading a terrible book. So we yeah, like nice emails. <laughs> letting us know that you're alive and out there and listening and sentient and you have an opinion about our show. Um, it, it's very nice to receive those emails from people that aren't, you know, popping up in the YouTube comments or like becoming patrons or anything. Your voice is valued too in that it gives us the um, strength to push onward. And here is where I uh, hint at um, the book that we're currently trying to slog through, Paris. Ugh. So Ugh. we did 111, which was a mercifully short thing, but absolutely confusing. You you would have heard about that already, folks. Um, but this next one is, um, let's say it's a uh, it's a property that we've probably been avoiding for quite some time, but eventually we had to have our run in with it. And this is how we're choosing to do it. And it's like 600 pages and uh, it's I'm like seven chapters in and it's fucking absolutely mind numbing. <laughs> why is this pop? Why is this so, so, so popular, Paris? That's mm. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah. Also. You might want to check out some new music from me and Graveborn, <laughs> my metal just, band. We just, recently put out two singles. Oh, this poor these poor listeners. If they're still here, they're like, off, click. <laughs> well, if you would like to listen to my musical output, and you can like leave your own nasty comments on that, too, if you so desire. Oh, no. Or nice ones. You could also tell me if you liked it. I would very, you know, either way, let me know that if you bothered to listen to it, you can check us out at gravebornma.bandcamp.com. Graveborn, Massachusetts. Abbreviation for Massachusetts there. Graveborn, ma. Graveborn, ma. Get me the graveborn over at the band camp. <laughs> Um, you can check out our two singles, Coded Collective and Transmigrator, off of our upcoming album, Transmigrator. It's a continuous loop concept album. It's going to be pretty wild. I have some crazy video content coming out for it. Actually, yeah, um, the video stuff is pretty cool, I will say. I enjoy the video. So, yeah, if you like some uh, angry metals, it's not angry in subject matter. It's just kind of, you know, aggressive in tone. Um, go check out some of the new Graveborn. Um, maybe buy an hourglass because I made hourglasses. <laughs> yeah, get cross cross promotion, Chris. Cross promotion. Yes, um, Sorry, I had to. Luckily, I have, I have actually. Unfortunately, I have no music news. The the thing I sang on, I keep thinking it's gonna come out, and then it doesn't. <laughs> so whenever it comes out, um, yeah, I, will I have let you a side project like that too. Yeah, I. <laughs> Don't we all? Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, then, Paris. Is, is that it? Is that the cap on this? Are we going back into our cryogenic sleep chamber for two yeah, weeks? You, God, I really have to piece. This episode has to end. <laughs> unless, right. unless you want to record me flushing a toilet in a minute. Nah, I don't think. The, no, if, if any listeners want to hear that, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. You know we're going to get a fucking request for that. Anyway. On that note, happy birthday, Luchek. I don't know what year of birth. I don't know how old you are. I didn't say that right. I don't know what birth year. <laughs> I don't okay, clearly the piss is like getting up to your brain here, Paris. So let's, let's just go. Here. I'm experiencing sep piss your right piss now. piss brain is clogging up all your thought <laughs> arteries. I'm experiencing piss sepsis right now. Okay. Seps. Seps piss. <laughs> all right. Bye, Paris. Bye.